California is a place full of serene natural beauty. From Carmel, California to Yosemite National Park, there is no shortage of beautiful, natural wonders to go visit. But it seems there are also some dark and creepy stories to be had. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true horror stories from California. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Before we jump right into this episode, I just need to take a moment to let you guys know about Chilling. If you're not aware, I have joined the Chilling family, and I want to make sure that you take advantage of the free trial if you haven't yet. Chilling is the new home of horror. It's an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube. With hundreds of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists or playlists you can create yourself, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want. This includes a chilling exclusive feature, our ambient sound menu. Change the background noise of any story to fit your mood. It's an absolute game changer. Of course, this is offered completely ad-free. That's right, no ads, just hundreds of hours of uninterrupted, horrifying, creepy, and all-around spooky content. We have new narrators that are being added all the time. We have recently added classic novels, vintage horror radio, and true crime. Over 400 stories from monsters, gore, paranormal, thrillers, true stories, and more. You have the ability to minimize the app and darken your screen. There's also the addition of a sleep timer and the ability to see what stories you've already listened to and a recent story section. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us and check out the free trial. It's only $2.99 a month after that. Completely ad-free. I had a nearly identical story happen to one that I heard on your channel, and felt it was important to relay my experience as well. There were many times in my life where I was staying in very unusual and creative places. From about the age of 22 to 24, I was living in a few different tents I had set up in the South Hills of San Jose, California. I stayed there for months at a time by myself, because I enjoyed the freedom to do what I want and stay where I wanted. Within the amount of time, I had countless experiences with wildlife. I was camped too close to a water source. I basically set up camp right in the middle of Mother Nature's freeway. Almost every night, around midnight, a group of wild pigs would run down the hill. Some of them were enormous, and sometimes they would squeal and scream. When you were out there, and they were sniffing around the paper-thin tent, it was something terrifying. I also would hear deer, coyote, and have been stalked by a mountain lion at least three times. You will learn the natural sounds at night surprisingly fast, especially if you are in the same area for a long time. There was one night when I was sleeping, and was awoken by the sound of pigs coming down the hill. But this time something was different. I'm a very light sleeper, and even though I was somewhat used to them, they would scare me when they got within 15 feet from my tent. But this time, I remember feeling relaxed. It was an unusual relax, though, because these things were closer than I was normally comfortable with them being. And surprisingly, the more relaxed I was feeling, the more tired I got. It almost felt like I was being put under before surgery, except I was still aware and had my senses. I heard what sounded like a pig sniffing and felt one of them brush up against the tent, and then they seemed to leave. All except for one, that is. 
I couldn't tell if this one was in the back of the group or separate and following not far behind the rest. In my sedated state, I was not concerned the way I normally would be. Then, the pig or whatever it was did something bizarre. It laid on me. I could feel its body heat and feel its breathing, but I dare not move, or perhaps I couldn't move from the fear. This creature laid on my chest for what felt like multiple hours, but probably was not much more than just a few minutes. I felt to get off my chest at some point in time, and shortly after that the sedation wore off and I woke up. I don't know what to make of it, but someone out there in a past episode shared a similar experience on your channel, and perhaps others have too. If anyone knows what this may have been, please enlighten me in the comments down below. This isn't a scary story about myself, but from my mother. My mother has been working for a grocery store that is well known. It's called Save Mart. This is one of the times that I've been scared for my mother. Back sometime in 2019, my mother was taking some of the old boxes from the meat department out to the trash. This meant she needed to bring them right out back behind the store. So her being the hardworking and best employee at the store, she does as needed. But the only problem was that when she was going out to the dumpster, she sees this homeless man. Now, inherently homeless people aren't bad, and that's not what we're trying to push here. Usually, my mom would just tell them that they couldn't be there and they had to leave. But when she looked at this man, she noticed something blood chilling. He was smiling, but not just a normal, hello miss, how are you doing today smile. It was the watch me go crazy and hurt someone type of smile. Right after noticing his creepy smile, she notices this shiny object in his hand. You guessed it, it was a knife. In my mother's words, she said, oh hell no, and booked it back into the store. She didn't have enough time to close the big back door behind her because of how heavy it was, so she immediately ran to her coworker. His name is Tom, so she immediately ran to Tom and said, hey, some homeless guy is out there with a knife. Right as he finished saying this, Guess who comes through the doorway with that same smile and knife in hand? You guessed it, the random homeless man. They both noticed him immediately, and Tom began grabbing this big butcher's knife off the table, and the homeless man can see that. He knows that his cheap blade is nothing, and books it out. But that isn't the end of my mom's new friend. Who else but our friend the homeless man charges into the store trying to stab some of the workers, and people luckily get the man and throw him to the ground. Luckily, he didn't hurt anyone that we knew of. He took off soon after. They did call the police, but since he was homeless and not in the store, they couldn't really do anything except watch the building to make sure he didn't come back. I love my mom. Man, I hope she doesn't have to go through anything like that again. And I know how bad our small city has gotten. It's all too possible that that guy could have been drugged out or something, and that might have been my last day with her. So every time I hug my mom, I make sure to squeeze her a little bit harder because you never know when a random person will strike. Yes, this story may not sound true, but I promise you it is. I'm sorry that the grammar might not be amazing, but thank you for sharing it if you do. My city has a large homeless population, so this is probably a very normal thing for my mom, but she is okay. If you want to see what I mean, or if you live around Merced, California, you know what Save Mart I'm talking about, and you know our homeless population. But to all the workers out there, stay safe. And to everybody who's homeless and not doing crazy things, please be safe as well. I know it's a dangerous lifestyle.
About two years ago, a couple of friends and I decided to sneak into an abandoned asylum in Downey, California after nightfall. We noticed a security guard doing his final rounds and waited for him to leave the premises. Once the coast was clear, we approached the surrounding fence and jumped over it to get onto the property. And as soon as we did, we all experienced something that I can only describe as a heavy and unpleasant feeling. All the windows and doors were boarded up from the outside but as we made our way around the building, we discovered an entrance that had been broken into, so we made our way in and ended up in the auditorium. There were medical records scattered all over the floor of every room. One of my friends picked up one of them that caught his attention. It was a file from 1889. I don't recall the name of the patient, but he was said to have had some sort of mental disability, like what we now refer to as Down syndrome. It also had a list of mental disabilities and Random treatments that had been performed on him over the years, ranging from shock treatment, inducing vomiting, to being forced to consume mercury pills. As we continued to explore the halls, we felt like we were being watched. It got to the point to where we weren't comfortable being inside the building anymore. As we made our way back outside, I heard a faint whisper and what felt like a hand brush on the back of my head. I quickly looked back, but there was nothing there. We ran from out of there as fast as we could, jumped the fence, and made our way back to the car, and thought nothing of it. We were just relieved to be out of there. The following night is when things really took a turn for the worst. I went to bed at around 9pm and awoke sometime around 12.25am to the feeling of someone tugging on my leg. I have a tendency to fall asleep with the TV on, so when my dad gets home from work around midnight, he does a routine check to make sure my TV is off so I wake up thinking I'm going to get lectured about leaving the TV on again. But as I look toward the doorway, I see that the door is open and the hallway light is on, but there is no sign of my dad. I then begin to feel a pressure on my leg again, so I quickly turn my attention to the foot of my bed, and that's when I saw it. A solid, black, faceless silhouette is crouched over me, and it has a firm grip on my leg. I immediately froze and was unable to move, and everything went silent. All I could hear was what I can only describe as static as it starts making its way up to my face. I immediately started to pray and within seconds its grip on me became weaker and I was able to bang my fist on the wall to try to get someone's attention and within seconds it was gone. I jumped up and ran out of my room and as I turned the corner I bumped right into my dad who was coming down the hallway to my room. He said he heard me hit the wall and he was coming to see what was going on. I explained everything to him the best I could and of course he ruled it off as a bad case of sleep paralysis. But I know for certain that this was not the case. I have had sleep paralysis many times before, and this experience was nothing like it. I was fully awake when the attack took place. I felt whatever it was that I came across probably came from that asylum the previous night and followed me home. I'm pretty sure it was just making me aware of its presence. I am a mail carrier here in California. A big part of my job is delivering Amazon packages. And as you can imagine, my workload has increased significantly during the pandemic. As per usual, this has increased the number of strange encounters I have had. I have a few to share, but I'll start with this one. My current route for the past six months leads me through multiple subdivisions of large, beautiful homes, like swimming pools with hot tubs in every yard. Given the pandemic, 
I've noticed people, mainly older folks, have really taken to coming outside to talk to me across their yards. I don't mind at all, but try to keep it short so I don't fall behind on my deliveries. One of my favorite residents is an older lady who I will call Mrs. Lithgow, for the sake of the story. She must be well into her 70s and loves to chat about everything going on in the neighborhood. It's not unusual for her to report back that so-and-so has left their lawn unattended for two months or that they have strange visitors at odd hours. I usually just nod and smile. The house across the street from Mrs. Lithgow was only listed for sale for a few days when it was purchased quickly. Shortly thereafter, my truck began to fill up with Amazon packages for whoever lived there. Mrs. Lithgow noticed right away and told me a week later that the packages would stay in their pile until nighttime, and then have disappeared in the morning. This didn't seem strange to me at the time. Mrs. Lithgow became further concerned and began telling me that there always seemed to be a lot of screaming coming from the house later in the evening. I hadn't heard anything, but my deliveries were always earlier in the morning. My first strange encounter was dropping off a stack of packages. I had loaded my arms way higher than I was supposed to. I was in a rush and was waddling up the path. I felt my foot hit something hard and thought it might break. I set down the stack and to my horror I realized I kick a bag of garbage that had fallen open. Sticking out the top was a jar with what looked like animal body parts in it. They had leaped into the hot stone path and as soon as I had stopped, the smell was unbearable. I noticed that there was also a creepy doll in the bag. I quickly finished my delivery and got out of there. I thought about calling the police but honestly, I thought maybe it was just a fetal pig or something like that. So I talked myself out of it. Mrs. Lithgow approached me a few weeks later, telling me that she had finally met the homeowner. After the whole bottle incident, I was pretty interested to know who lived there. Mrs. Lithgow said it was a petite pink-haired woman who said she was living there with her autistic charge. Mrs. Lithgow thought it was so strange, and I couldn't help but agree that this young woman lived there alone with this other person, but no one ever seen them coming or going. I chalked it up to the pandemic and went on with my day. Mrs. Lithgow, though, however, did not. The next day, she came racing to the side of the road. I had to remind her to stay six feet away, but she was shouting that there had been an incident. Apparently, the woman living in the house and the man she cared for had been spotted outside in the backyard. Kids were playing a few houses down and came running and yelling that the autistic man had threatened to shoot them with arrows and were yelling, Do you know who I am? I'll admit, I wanted to know more but I didn't have the time to ask questions. Another time, she told me that pink smoke had billowed out of the house and two people came running out screaming. After that, I didn't see Mrs. Lithgow as she had left town to visit one of her kids. The house stayed quiet and I continued to leave stacks and stacks of packages there. I began to notice though that the names on the packages were often different, lots of times just being fat goblin and other weird things. I once ran across into two electricians leaving the house. As I passed by them, one of them said, The house is full of cat poop. Full. When my route was slightly altered, so their address was later in the day, I also started to hear the yelling that I think Mrs. Lithgow had been referring to. It was a grown man, and he was constantly yelling almost incoherent things like, Black. Me cost crying. At first, I thought he might have been yelling at me. But several times I noticed he was yelling before I even approached the house. I thought maybe it was linked to his diagnosis. Honestly, none of these occurrences were that weird to me, given some of the other experiences I've had and the context given. A few weeks ago, 
I had to deliver a package that required a signature. I had never actually seen anyone there myself, but I knocked anyway. I heard a small shriek and shuffling about. Concerned, I walked toward the side of the house, but still in front, and yelled, Hello, I need a signature for a package. The shuffling continued. I went back to the front door to knock one last time and to leave a note letting them know where they could pick it up. I suddenly heard a loud, fast stomping from inside the house. I peeked into the glass of the door to see if I could see if someone was coming. It was a stocky man dressed in a spandex suit from head to toe. He waved a gun in the air. I stepped back in shock. I froze for a second, long enough to hear him yell, You're not safe here. That was enough for me to get moving again. I turned and began to run. As I raced down the driveway and back into my truck, I could now fully see the man, holding his weapon, yelling, I shoot to maim. I took off. I called my supervisor immediately, but was told there is nothing we can do about it, because technically, I was on their property, and he never directly threatened me. I still think I should have called the police, though. I began leaving the packages at the end of their driveway, and have not heard or seen anyone in that house again. A few years ago, I had to commute from my job from October 2018 to January of 2019. It was nothing special, a retail job, but I lived in a rural area in the California foothills, and it was my only option at the time. I would be driving home every night at around 11pm to 2am, depending on when I would get off from work. The highway was always deserted at these times, and some nights were more peculiar than others, but nothing so extreme as this story. It wasn't uncommon for me to see a lot of wildlife on these drives. I would just take it slow and be alert. Black-tailed deer, coyotes, raccoons, I was well accustomed to them at this point. One night, I was only about 10 minutes away from home. I rolled up to my usual four-way stop. I'd stopped at hundreds of times before. It was probably around 1am, not a soul around, completely dead quiet. As I came to a complete stop... I saw something standing just off the side of the road, across from the intersection. It was obviously an animal, but it was headed towards the road, so I was going to wait for a second to see if it was going to cross. It took me a second to really comprehend what it was at first. I thought it was a horse, which although dangerous, wouldn't be that uncommon for where I live due to their irresponsible ranchers and their constantly broken fences. Then, as I started to be able to make out more of its detail... As it neared the light from my headlights, I realized something was wrong about this animal. It was tall, so much so that the legs looked stilt-like. As I sat there, shocked, it slowly stepped into the road across from my car and into the direct beam of my headlights. At this point, I realized two things. One, it was taller than my car. And two, its gait was very odd. Almost like it didn't know how to properly walk as a deer should. It was like its joints wanted to bend in the wrong way. It slowly moved into the oncoming lane and then swiveled its head to look at me. All the hair rose in my body. What spooked me the most was it was certainly a deer, or at least something that really looked like one. It looked normal in every way except the spider-like legs it was standing on. At this point, I gassed it, and the deer stood unmoving as my car sped past. I investigated my rearview mirror and caught a glimpse of it, crossing the oncoming lane back onto the shoulder of the highway, illuminated red by my brake lights. When I got home, 
I ran from my car to my house and locked myself in, still understandably freaked out. I never saw it again. And ever since I've been listening to this show, I've heard tons of other stories of people seeing these weird deer creatures in this exact area on this show. At this point, I've become desensitized to it. It wasn't until recently that I learned about the not-deer creatures, and it makes me wonder, what is going on? I went on a little hiking trip with my dad to Mount Shasta, California, a small town in Northern California near the Oregon border. Shasta is home to a potentially active volcano named, of course, Mount Shasta. There are many trails on Mount Shasta, so my father and I were excited to do some hiking. We drove up the side of the mountain to the parking lot in which one of the trails began. I believe it was called the Old Ski Bowl Trail. The landscape was a very barren incline, filled with rocks, boulders, dirt, and very few trees. About an hour into the trail, we came across a very odd assembly of these large boulders. They were arranged in a circle. We thought it was strange, but we continued. If you look up pictures of the trail, you'll see much smaller rocks arranged in patterns and circles. My father and I only encountered three people. At least, that's what they appeared to be at first. The first two were a father and son. We met them on a steep incline that went along the wall of the cliff, that when we would switch back, it would take you to the top of the cliff. We stopped and said hello, talked about the trail, and then went our separate ways. Here's where it gets weird. My dad and I started walking up the incline for about two minutes. I turned around and I saw the father and son were incredibly far down the trail, almost like they had teleported. It should have taken them at least 20 minutes to get down there from where they were, but somehow, in only about two minutes, they have gotten down way further than possible. To this day, I have absolutely no idea how that could have happened. There was no one else on that trail at that point, and I could see the color of their clothes from the distance, so I knew it was them. I pointed it out to my dad. We thought it was weird, but we didn't want to dwell on it, so we just kept on moving. And here's where it starts to get much weirder. As we reached the top of the cliff, there was another strange rock arrangement that was off to the side of the trail. This time, there were far more rocks than before, and they were now arranged in rows, almost like gravestones. We continued the trail and reached another sort of incline with a switchback to reach the top of another cliff. We reached a point where we would need climbing gear to continue, so we decided to head back. When we turned around, I saw a man standing among the rocks, staring at us intently. He was wearing a button-up shirt, cargo shorts, and a wide-brimmed straw hat. He was at a distance where I should have been able to make out his facial features, but it was almost like he didn't have any like his face was just flesh and skin. I pointed him out to my dad, and the man quickly ducked down behind a boulder and was peering out at us over the top of the boulder. It seemed almost playful, like a child trying to hide. For a few moments, I was almost out of it. I have no recollection of what was going on. According to my dad, I just started walking towards the man in the hat. My dad was calling to me, Joshua, Josh, what are you doing? Where are you going? And then I came too. I was standing right at the edge of the cliff. It was a huge drop, enough to kill me or seriously injure me. My dad grabbed me and pulled me back onto the trail. He told me to stay put. My dad went down to the borders to search for the man, but he wasn't there. There was nowhere for him to go except down or up the trail, 
It didn't make any sense. He just simply disappeared. I have no idea what was going on in that trail, and I have no explanation for it. I've told this many times to family and friends, and no one has an explanation. I've done my fair amount of research and found similar stories about encounters with a man with no facial features wearing a hat. I've also read that Native American tribes from that area viewed Mount Shasta as a holy site. They believe it could act as a portal to other dimensions, and that it was guarded by spirits who would potentially harm anyone who tried to go up the volcano. If anybody has had any similar experiences or any insight at all, I would love to hear. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from California, sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to us. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating, as that's very, very helpful over there. If you're new to the swamp and haven't joined us yet, be sure to hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and potentially giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. Be sure to let me know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. Join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.